Now, we are in our fourth week within our series, The Good Life According to God. We've, over the weeks, we've had a look at, um, you know, actually figuring out what is the basis of the good life, because the good life according to God is different to what the world says it is. You know, the good life is about actually having that rich personal relationship with God. It's about fulfilling the purpose that God has for your life. You know, in our second week, we had a look at what actually means if we're living that good life, if we're living that rich personal relationship with God, if we're fulfilling the purpose of God, how does that then impact the way we act and behave within society? What are our morals and what are our ethics and how does that align with what God has for us in our life? Last week, we had a look at how we live our good life according to God in the moment. So in the here and now. Not in the past, not thinking that's where God has been, but actually right here in this moment. But also not also in the future, you know, not, not future focused, not so heavenly focused that you have no earthly good. It's about living the good life according to God, making those daily moment by moment decisions for God. This week, we're going to actually have a look at how we can live the good life according to God and actually focus on, specifically, what that means about possessions. I want you to think for a moment. I'm going to ask you this question. What is your most valuable possession that you have? What is the most valuable possession that you have? Have you got it in your brain? Okay, good. Now... What I want you to do is now consider that you don't have enough food to eat for yourself. You don't have enough food to feed your family. Has your most valuable possession changed? Suppose that you don't have a home or a shelter where you can live and you're living rough on the street. What's your most valuable possession now? Or perhaps that you're sick and really unwell and you actually live in a country because in Australia we are actually amazingly privileged with our health system. We have a public health system that it doesn't matter who you are, they will look after you. But imagine you're living in a, in a country that doesn't have our amazing health system. What's your most prized possession? What's the most valuable possession you have now? Has any of that changed? because of these things, of these circumstances. You know, now come back. You've got enough money to live. You don't want for any food or your health is fine. You, you're not fighting for shelter or anything like that. What becomes your most valuable possession once we've thought about all these things? See, the thing is, circumstances often dictate what are our most prized possessions. It's because, you know, we, we consider things are valuable when there's a lack of those resources. If we think, uh, you know, about whether we have enough to eat, something, food becomes a value because we don't have enough of it. When health is in crisis, health becomes the important thing. When we don't have shelter, just safety becomes so important for us. See, our circumstances often dictate what we value. 
and the lack of it gives us perspective of what we value. Now, I want to share with you two sections from the Bible. I'm going to share actually a lot more than two sections from the Bible, but specifically these two sections. And the first is, this is actually about the temptation of Jesus. And this is going to kind of start to help us put this into perspective for ourselves about what is the behavior, what is the attitude we have when we lack something or when we want something or when we, you know, are seeking something. The temptation of Jesus by the devil is trying to get Jesus to forgo his divine rights to get access to the things that he's lacking at that point in time. So let's just jump into into Scripture, and we're going to be reading from Luke's Gospel, and it's Luke uh, verses 1 through to, uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through to 13. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, uh, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. Uh, He ate nothing during those days, and and at the end of them he was hungry. You know, can you imagine that, 40 days out in the wilderness, not eating? Um, Would you be hungry? What would be the thing that you would think that you would want? A cheeseburger? You know, something like that. Anything that you could have? You know, I can see a few people nodding at cheeseburger going, yeah, 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 that sounds good, doesn't it? You know, um, you know the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. You know, Jesus answered, it is written, man should not live on bread alone. So notice what a, a temptation, get the thing that you wanted. And Jesus says, no, the important thing is my relationship with God. The devil uh, led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to them, I will give you all the authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want. If you worship me, it will be yours. See, here's a temptation. The things that are there, you know, possessions, power, prestige, all these things are being given. And Jesus says, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So what does it mean about the good life is to have that close personal relationship and do the will of God in your life? Uh, The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully, and, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus said, it is said, don't put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an appointment. Uh, opportune time. You know, here, here we have the temptation of Jesus, and we can start to see the attitude and the behavior. You know, when we're hungry, when we're tired, when we're pushed to a limit, when we don't feel we have enough, that is when temptation comes. And that's what we see with Jesus. Temptations came because of his fasting, his, uh, and he could have said yes to all of those, but he said no. It was about his relationship with God. No, I don't need those things to make me whole. It is about my relationship with the Father for Jesus. I said I was going to do two passages, and I am. You know, the second one actually kind of flows into this about this temptation, about what we what we're trying to, you know, what we try and be tempted by from the world's point of view, and it actually comes from one John chapter 2, and it's verses 15 to 17, and it's a fantastic passage, and I just want to share with you, you know, because this really is, in a nutshell, 
what we are talking about today. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for Father is not in them. So love of God is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life comes not from the Father but from the world. The world and its desires passes away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. See, this is, this is the thing, you know, when we're trying to live the good life according to God, we need to start to understand the desires and the wants that we have in our life, uh, the need for possessions, the need to have stuff to help us. So let, let me break it down for you. I'm just going to put three things up that that, that that passage just said. You know, the pride of life, egoism, really. It's a temptation that says, I can do everything in my own will, my own way of doing things. You know, I, 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 I can do it all on my own. You know, the worldly view of this is, is success, basically. You know, you can do everything, you can be successful, but see, the, the thing is, it's, it's the pride that we have in that. It's the pride that you have saying, I can do all of this. My ego, my sense of self and purpose is wrapped up in, in all the things that I can do. The other thing that this passage is saying is there's, a, there's the lust of the eyes, uh, which is actually materialism. It's actually saying, I can see this and I want it. I, you know, you're putting it in front of me and I want it. You know, this, this is um, advertising 101. You know, you make things look sexy, you make things look good, you make things that are, you're know, saying you need this. It's going to make you successful, you know, that, that's the point of it. It's going to satisfy you, it's going to give you wealth, it's going to make you be better. So the thing is, the temptation is that the materialism is saying, I, I can make enough, I can do enough, I have enough, I don't need God. There's the issue. Because when we start to put our, our trust in the possessions that we have, those possessions start to take possession of you and saying, I put, it in, I put my trust in this stuff around me. I can touch it, I can see it, I can feel it. It, it makes me feel good. You know, I can connect to the internet as fast as I possibly can or whatever it is. You know, it's not about that. So the good life according to God is not about what we accumulate. It's about the relationship that we have with God. And then we, the, you know, the, the other part is that they talked about the, the lust of the body, which is, is, is really um, hedonism. So it, it's really about <sighs> the temptation is that you, you want to have things that will satisfy your urges. Um, the worldly view of this is if it's pleasurable, it's okay. Do it because it makes you feel good. You know, and, and that's, we seek after those things. And see, this, this is the thing. In the passage, it's saying, do not love the world and all these things. So don't, don't love, you know, the, the lust after, you know, the, the pleasures. Don't lust after gaining material things. Don't, don't lust after needing to be successful and, and, and do everything yourself have that close relationship with God. See, Jesus even, Jesus shared teachings about possessions and specifically about possessions. And in Matthew 6, it says this, Matthew 6, verses uh, 19 to 21, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vernum destroy, where thieves break in and steal. So don't store up stuff here on earth. That's not the important thing. Don't 
work and create material wealth. But store up yourself traces in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal, where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. So, you know, there's a telltale sign, isn't it? You know, where your treasure is, your heart will be. So if you really are looking for the good life according to God, guard yourself about where your treasure is. Where do you place your possessions? What is important that you have? See, the thing in our, in our life, in our, especially in our Western, modern Western world, we are tempted to store up our treasures here on earth, you know, within our house, within our car, within our phones, our clothes, the look we have, the best and the brightest, the newest, the greatest, the cutting-edge features, all those kind of things. This is where we are tempted with all the time. The world wants you to place your trust in accumulating the accumulation of uh, possessions, the things that you own. which we need to be careful not to be possessed by our possessions. So this is not living that good life according to God. It may be living the good life according to what the world says. It says, store it all up, get as much as you can, have as much, have the best, have all of this. But we know that's not storing up treasure in heaven. That's storing up treasure on earth. And that, that treasure in heaven is that relationship with God, that personal relationship with God. So I, I just want to break down for us really some of that meaning in this Matthew passage. Um, and so what does it actually mean for us to be, to be storing up um, treasures? It, it really means to hoard, to stockpile, to, to, to gather in more than we actually need. It, it means to have wealth that is actually not being used, and I, I want to preface this really importantly, wealth that is not being used for the benefit of others or for the, doing the purposes of God. Or, See, doing the purpose of God and having wealth is actually something that's good. See, we, the thing is that we often store up our wealth for the purpose of showing off. Or, and as we've spoken about this, to create an environment where we can be lazy, where we don't have to work, where we don't have to do things, where we can just let it slide and go, this is what, God, this is what I'm just going to do. I'm going to sit back and just let it all happen. And, you know, the first week we talked about this, wasn't it? So Jesus is not saying, and here's the important thing, Jesus is not saying that we should actually be living, we should all be living in poverty. He's not saying you need to live in poverty. Jesus didn't actually specifically require all of his followers to give up everything in order to follow him. He had a few people are saying that you should do this, but he's not saying every believer has to do that. Both testaments actually recognise the right of people to actually have material things. So you can actually have things and be a follower of God. See, God wants us to, to enjoy the blessings that God has given us. You know, and I'm going to just share with you from, uh, from uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, uh, verses 17 and 19, just to help us understand this. Command those who are rich in this present world, so those, and, you know, and I, I want to be honest, if we look on a global scale... We are all rich here. We are all rich here. This is not, not a question. You know, we've, we've got access to clean water. We have power. We have access to food, refrigeration. We have access to education, you know, health, all those things. That makes us rich beyond all measure. So command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in the wealth which is so uncertain 
but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. See, here's the thing, you know, are you willing to share the wealth that you have accumulated for the benefit of others, for those around you? Or do we hoard it up and say, no, we can't do this? In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they can make, may take hold of a life that is truly living. So it's actually, you know, if we actually use what God has given us for the good works and the purpose that God has for us, then we are actually living that good life for that, you know, that, that truly great life that God has for us. So it's, it's not about saying you've got to live in poverty. It's not about saying you've got to give up everything. God actually does bless people with goods, does bless people with possessions, but it's the, it's the fine line between having those and letting them do the will and work of God with those and letting that, as opposed to having those possessions and you're going, I can't do anything because I've just got to keep those, I've got to hold those onto myself, they control me. You know, what are we meant to do as believers? As believers who are wealthy, basically, let's have a look at that. You know, we, we are really meant to work hard. We are really meant to, you know, be honest and upright in all that we do. We are to, we are to help save for our children and inheritance, provide for our families, look after them. There's nothing wrong with technically saving for the future, having enough to live off, but also having enough to give to the poor in support of the Lord's work. I, I remember hearing uh, a story, uh, and, and one of the, it's an Australian who incredibly wealthy, um, and they actually said, you know, giving for us to the poor, the needy, is really easy because we've got so much money, we can just give it and it doesn't hurt. So giving for us actually has to make an impact. It actually has to make a difference in the way we live our life. So I need to give a lot because I have a lot. So, you know, it's, it's those kind of things. The possessions had not taken hold of them, but they could use the possessions for the benefit of the good works that God has for us. And we still need to remember, we need to remember that possessions are temporary. They are not things that, that stay all the time. Jesus says that they, that they are subject to destruction. You know, they'll, they'll, the battery will run out on them and they won't work. You know, they will rot. They can be stolen. Thieves can steal them from us. You know, in, in ancient times, in the biblical times, you know, a person's wealth was often determined by the clothes that they wore and how much grain that they had stored up. And both could be destroyed or stolen. See, in Proverbs 23, verse 4 and 5, it says, Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Do not trust on your own cleverness. Cast but a glance at the riches and they are gone, for they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. You know, it, it is that temporary nature. 
of the possessions that we have. So as we can see, the good life according to God in Mark's gospel is, is actually for whoever wants to save their life. This is from Mark chapter 8, verse, verse 35 and 36. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. For what good is it that someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? What good is it that someone can gain the whole world but forfeit their soul? See, the good life according to God, is actually living with that personal relationship. It's actually having your soul saved. You know, um, we had a funeral here during this week. And, and I love doing funerals of believers. You know, it, it, it's actually a great joy for me because I can stand there and say, I know this person is with God. I know what they believed and what they had in life has eternal value. It saddens me when I do funerals of non-believers because I go, I know that they've stored out their treasures here on earth, yet they haven't had that personal relationship with God. So we need to not store our treasures here. We need to store our treasures with our relationship with God, have that personal relationship with God. Let's just pray. A gracious Lord, we just give you thanks for this time. We give you thanks that you can help us to know that it's not about being poor, that it's not about being rich, it's not about not having possessions, it's not about having possessions. But it's about the attitude that we bring to those. It's about the attitude that we have. It's about the relationship that we have with you and it's about fulfilling the purpose that you have for our lives. Lord, help us not to store treasures here on earth but help us to have that deep, rich relationship with you, our Lord. Lord, we ask this in your holy name. Amen.